Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. All of our musicians and singers. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord. It is so good to be in church. I want to direct your attention to Psalm chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1, beginning in verse in verse 3. I guess I realize, I recognize last year. Let's just start from the very beginning. Why don't we just do that? Uh, last year, or last week, I, I realize and I recognize that I, uh, I preached on a subject uh, men as trees, and by no, uh, no intention of my own, I'm going to be preaching a similar theme here today, but I draw your attention here in the book of Psalms chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, amen. The Bible says, and he shall be like a tree, come on, come on, there's a theme here, a tree planted by the river's of water. Amen. Where you are planted, where your roots grow matters. Amen. You got to be by the rivers of water, which brings forth its fruit. Everyone say fruit in its season and whose leaf, everyone say leaf, will not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Amen. That's a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. How many want that kind of blessing on your life today? The Bible says that we shall be like trees that are planted by the rivers of water, that we shall bear fruit in our season, and whatsoever we do, our leaf won't wither, but whatsoever we do shall prosper. Amen. Amen. There's a qualification on that promise, and we're going to get into it today, but I want to preach for just a few minutes on this simple subject. Amen. Living like a tree. Amen. How many want to live like a tree today? <laughs> Come on. We're going to be trees. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. We're going to just get into the scripture here today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word that they delight in it, God, and meditate in it. Lord, are like trees planted by the rivers of water. God, I pray, God, that you would just give us some deep roots today. God, give us some fresh fruit today. God, give us some healthy leaves today. Prosper us. Flourish to flourish in whatsoever season of life we may be, Father. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing forever. You can be seated today. Amen. We're going to live living like, living like trees. Amen. Amen. It's here in the book of Psalms, in Psalm chapter 1, that I've drawn my text for you this morning. And it's here in this commonly quoted and often referenced book of the Bible, the book of Psalms, which just so happens to be tucked right in the very middle of that Old Testament book, which is traditionally known as the book of songs, or as we know it, the book of Psalms. If you aren't already aware, the book of Psalms is universally recognized as a book 
of praise. Amen. It's a book of praise. It's a book of praise and worship that has been compiled. Many believe under the dynasty, under the reign of David, and he took from many different sources and many different psalteries and many different songbooks, and he began to gather them together and collect them and organize them into what we commonly refer to as the book of Psalms. But it is this book of song, this book of worship, this book of praise that that is a testimony and is a witness from those Old Testament believers that provides for us today with a testimony and an inspiration and instruction for worship in God, to to worship God and to praise God that no matter how bad it may seem in your life today, no matter what you may think or what your emotion may be in this particular moment, it's the book of Psalms that reminds us And brings us back to a reason that we have to give God praise. I can tell you that even in my own personal life, there have been many occasions where I've been down and I've been discouraged. I've been frustrated and I've been flustered. I've not seen the light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't feel so good. I didn't feel so hopeful. I didn't feel so inclined to worship and to praise God. But But if by nothing else but a simple act of obedience, by nothing else but an act of faith, I will just open my Bible to the book of Psalms and I'll begin reading in that book, the Lord is my shepherd, I I shall not want. I'll I'll read the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? I'll, I'll read throughout the book of Psalms to bless the Lord, bless, praise God in the sanctuary. It's, it's the book of Psalms that as we begin reading and thinking about, begin to inspire us and instruct us in praise and worship to God. And it's this book that is left to us in this generation as a testimony from the writers of the Scripture in their generation that leave us with an eye, with a witness to their reason for praising God. I want to tell you today that if there was ever a group of people that lived to witness the abundant mercies and favor of God and who had a reason to praise and worship God, as they look back over their past where God had brought them from, it was this Old Testament group of believers, the nation of Israel. If you recall, they all had a reason to praise, if for nothing else, that when they look back to where God had brought them from, come on somebody, they were slaves in Egypt, they were brick makers under the, the mighty reign of Pharaoh, and, and they, were, they were in a time of great turmoil and distress. They were crying out to God for a redemption. They were, they were under the, the rule and the reign of a wicked Pharaoh, and, and they cried out to God for salvation and redemption and deliverance, and God heard their cries for help. When one day, by no strength or merit of their own, God raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses. God heard their cries for deliverance, and God redeemed them from the control of their captives. And by the mighty hand of God, God led them through the waters of that Red Sea, and as, as they 
cross those waters and they look back over their shoulders to those roaring waves of the Red Sea as it began to enclose and encompass their very captives, the ones that were tormenting them, the ones that were chasing them, the ones that were trying to enslave them. And they looked back and saw that Red Sea of deliverance destroy their adversaries. They began to consider all that God had done and was doing in their life The Bible says that on the other side of that Jordan River that they began to praise the Lord. And over the course of the history of God's dealing with the people of Israel from the banks of the Jordan River all the way through that wilderness experience as they entered into their promised land, God's people found reason to give God praise. They had a reason to be grateful to God. God had called them. God had set them free. A God that had delivered them and redeemed them and provided for them and protected them and directed them and blessed them and ultimately planted them in their promised land. They had a reason to praise the Lord. But I want to tell you this morning that that Old Testament church, that Old Testament nation of Israel... I want to tell you that as much of a reason as they had to worship and praise God, I want to just encourage us today that we've got just as good of a reason, if not better, to lift up our voices in worship and in gratitude to the Lord. Because while they were under the oppression and the bondage of a wicked Pharaoh in a land called Egypt, I want to just remind you this morning, don't you get too saved and sanctified that you forget that we were also under the oppression of a devil and under his spiritual bondage called sin. But one day when we cried out, one day when we lifted our voice, One day when we put our faith in Him, one day when we repented of our sins, that same God that brought them through the Red Sea brought us through a life of sin. He called us out. He set us free. He delivered us. He redeemed us. He provided for us. He protected us. He directed us. He blessed us. And now we have been planted in the land of our promise. I want to just say today, I'm grateful for God planting me in a place of blessing. God planting me. Come on. Like that old song, He picked me up and He turned me around and He put my feet on solid ground. Can anyone testify about that? You might not be perfect, but God has planted you in some good places. You might not be perfect, but God's been good to you. God's been merciful to you. God has made all the difference in your life. And now you are planted in the promises of God. We can't get too sanctimonious. We can't get too holy and wholesome and saved and sanctified that we can't look back like the children of Israel over our shoulder and realize and recognize just how far God has brought us and how far God is willing to take us. Look what Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 through 13, Paul says, Therefore, you got to remember that at one time you Gentiles, come on, how many, how many know you're a Gentile in the flesh? 
called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. What did he say? He goes on, he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Jesus Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in this world. But what happened? But now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, you've got a reason to be thankful this Christmas season. You've got a reason to be thankful for for all that God has done in your life. You were separated from God. You were cut off from God. You were far from God. You didn't have a hope or a promise in this world. But one day, not by your strength or your merit, Jesus Christ reached down and by his blood he has brought you near. We have been planted in some places of promise. So we arrive here this morning at this particular text This first psalm of praise and this psalm or song of thanksgiving. And in light of the rest of the psaltery here, psalm number one is a little odd. It's because most of the other psalms that we read, read like worship songs or psalteries. But this particular psalm feels a little more like a lesson or a manual for being thankful and living for God. It feels like an instruction manual to provide insight and instruction and why we should be thankful that as we get ready to read the corresponding chapters of the book of Psalms and we read about worshiping and praising and blessing God, it's almost like right out of the gate God gives us an instruction for why we should be grateful unto God. And he says, here is the way of the righteous. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And here it is. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and whose leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Amen. That's a reason to be thankful today. Come on, that's a word for somebody today. So it's here in this book of Psalms that the psalm writer gives us reasons for being thankful and grateful to God. He says that the one to whom delights in the Lord and meditates in his word and he says the one who avoids the scornful and the ungodly and the way and the path of the sinners, but, but, but who meditates in God's word and he said who, who delights in God's will. He says there's going to be some benefits and some promises that he's going to reap. In fact, he's going to be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. Now, first reading, this might not seem very appealing to us. As we read through here and we look and more closely what it means to live according to the promise of living a life like a tree. But I want to just promise you, I want to tell you, there are some profound truths and promises in this text. If you ever study the subject of trees in the Bible, I know that's probably on the top of many of your lists to do this holiday season. 
I've got a little time off. I'm gonna, I've got a few PTO, PTO days during Christmas. Maybe you just get in and study what the Bible has to say about trees. Amen? Amen. But if you do, perhaps, you will realize that the Bible has a lot to say about trees. In fact, you'd be amazed to find that there are over 200 references to trees throughout your Bible. In fact, just about every kind of tree that you can think about is actually mentioned in the Scripture. We have almond trees and apple trees, aloe trees, acacia trees, cedar trees, fig trees, fruit trees, olive trees, palm trees, pine trees, pomegranate trees, sycamore trees, willow trees, trees of life, and trees of knowledge of good and evil. What's so interesting about trees in Scripture is that of all the metaphors that God uses... Perhaps the most common metaphor that God uses to describe the qualities and the character that He desires in the lives of His people are the qualities and the character of a tree. And so all throughout the Bible, when God is attempting to describe his, the characteristics and the qualities of a faith-filled life, He often incorporates this metaphor of a tree. It was in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus, he was speaking to his disciples and he tells them that if they would just have a little bit of faith, that just faith even the size of a mustard seed, he said that they can accomplish impossible things. He says that if you'll just have the little bit of faith, faith that's even the size of a mustard seed, and you'll take that little bit of belief, that little bit of faith in God, and like a seed that comes from a tree, if you will plant that seed in the soil of your heart, in the soil of your circumstances, in the soil of your life, that it might not happen overnight. It might not happen this season or next season. But if you'll just plant that seed of faith, come on, then you'll let that seed be watered and you'll let that seed grow. He says that that faith is going to multiply to a place where you are going to be able to speak to mountains to be cast into the sea and they shall be removed. I want to tell you, he said our faith is like a seed that comes from a fruit from a tree. In Proverbs 15:4, he says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. The perverseness in it breaks the spirit. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, and, or I am the trunk, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Time and time and time again, we find this metaphor God comparing the qualities of a believer with the characteristics of a tree. We find that our salvation in Christ began as a seed of a life-giving tree. Our faith in Christ is the continuation of the abiding as one of His branches. Our fruitfulness and our faithfulness will result in remaining consistent and close to the source of our salvation. I want to tell you today that our walk with God, our experience with God is likened unto a tree. I want to tell you today that in serving God, that we like a tree have to remain rooted and planted by the rivers of water, by the source of our salvation. And if we will stay close to the source of our salvation, namely Jesus Christ, then we will be rooted, we will be fruitful, and our leaf will not wither despite the times, the circumstances, and the seasons we find ourselves. I want to tell you today that I don't know about you, but I want to live like a tree.
So here it is again in Psalm 1. The psalm writer says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who sits not, who stands not in the path of sinners, who, see, who sits not in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. In other words, the first promise we find here of tree-like living is God is saying that if a person is wholly and fully committed to serving God, and if they will take seriously the commandments of God in their life, and they will render their life unto God, that they will be like a tree that is planted by water. This word planted here that we read simply means that we have been settled in a place long enough that we will establish some life-giving roots in our life. That when we serve God with all of our heart, that, that when we give God everything that we have, that over time God will bring some stability into our life. It's the roots of a tree and it is the roots of the life of, of a believer that settle us and stabilize us and establish us in living for God. Look what the book of Colossians chapter 2, verses 6-7 through seven says. The Bible says, let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I want to tell you that in our life, it's the roots of a faithful life to God that give us strength and stability that will stabilize us and settle us when all of the winds of life and all of the turmoil and trouble of life would try to oppose us. It is our roots and our faithfulness to God that will keep us, protect us, settle us, and give us strength. I first really learned about the strength that a good tree with strong, deep roots has in about 1998. Because it was about 1998 that I took a driver's education class through North Central High School. I know some of you didn't even exist in 1998, but just you just hang out with me now. Back then, we had a driver's ed class that was across the street from our high school. We would walk across... 86th Street, right after classes were over, and we would go to this, to this driver education class. And I want to tell you, we had a rowdy class that year, that, that particular session. Uh, me and my best friend, Robert Newton, were in that class. This was, this was B.C. for Mike Nolling. It was before, before Christ. And so, I don't know, maybe I contributed to the rowdiness of that class. I want to tell you, you know you have a rowdy driver's ed class when the students are driving themselves to driver's ed class. Let me just tell you. You got a rowdy class. <clears throat> but I remember just, <laughs> I still remember. That class was just rambunctious. We had just all sorts of wild things going on 
And I remember Mr. Staley was the, the teacher. I had to think about this. And uh, he, he, he was always just trying to rein us back in and trying to just get through his class. And he was always just say things like uh, uh, drive and stay alive. And many things he would try to teach us about just driving responsibly, driving uh, with, with awareness, checking all the things that we need to do. But, but I remember at a certain point in driver's ed, I don't know if they still do it, you get to the place where the driver's ed instructor tries to, to really give you a sobering reality to just how serious it is to get behind a wheel of a vehicle and drive on a, on a, on a, on a highway or a road or an interstate. And if you remember some of you that took that class or have taken it recently, I don't know, this has been several years, but they would show you videos of car crashes. And I remember one particular car crash. It was a, it was a vehicle, and they were depicting a, a group of teenagers that were just, uh, just being irresponsible and rambunctious and not paying attention. And I believe this particular class was about driving uh, under the influence and, and, and how things happen that when you're under the influence that you can't control. And this particular group of teenagers were driving a car under the influence and crashed their car into a tree. And they showed the news reports and they showed the, 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 the police officers and the people that were investigating there or the first responders that were there on a scene. But I'll never forget the imagery of that vehicle that was driving at full speed that ultimately veered off of the road and crashed into that full-grown mature tree. And what I realized and what was ingrained into my mind is that if there is one thing that you do not want to hit while you are driving in your car, it is a strong, mature tree with deep roots because that car was wrapped around that tree Tree. The metal was twisted and tangled. The, 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 the car was destroyed. Pieces were flung everywhere. But right there was that tree standing strong and standing secure because a tree with deep roots is a tree with some strength. A tree with deep roots is a tree that despite the adversity and the troubles and trials of life has some roots that are deep enough that it's going to keep it strong despite the adversity that comes comes into your life. Our roots, our roots, they stabilize us. But that's not all our roots do. Our roots also strengthen us. If you'll forgive me for the illustrations here, but <clears throat> this past week I, I, I watched a, a part of a documentary and they were talking about the ecosystem in a forest. And they were talking about when you go into a forest, just any forest here, just in, in just even in the Midwest and in Indiana, they were talking about the complexities of the ecosystem uh, uh, between trees and other plants and even the mushrooms that grow in, in a, just a common force. And there were thousands. They were talking about how there are thousands of types of mushrooms that you don't even recognize. And, and they are coming to a place in science where they are discovering that these ecosystems actually communicate with each other. And they said that not only do the trees and the plants have roots, 
but that the mushrooms have something called mycelium, and they're like these fibers, these white fibers that act as roots, and they're very similar to the connections in the neural networks of a, of a human brain. And they said for every step that you take in a forest or in a jungle or just a common woods, there are about three to 400 feet for every step of these roots of a mushroom or mycelium that grow. And they said they're so expansive, they're so just uh, uh, common that, that, that they actually are discovering that they cover the entire ground bed of a forest or of a jungle. And, and so much so that they are actually realizing that they are used by other plants and other trees in the jungle and in the forest to communicate with one another. They are starting to discover that trees are actually communicating with each other through the mycelium of this of this these networks of these of these mushrooms and and they're they're communicating with each other. In fact, they're discovering that a tree that has a seed and it and it starts another sapling tree that the tree can actually identify one of its own saplings, one of its own trees and will actually direct strength and direct resources somehow to these other trees through this mycelium that exists underneath the forest and it reminded me of a Christian being planted in the house of the Lord that is developing roots and is developing networks and is developing community in the life of a believer. I want to tell you that as Christians that not only do, uh, do, do we need roots to strengthen us and stabilize us, but we need roots to connect us and to encourage us. I want to just tell you today, I cannot emphasize strongly enough how important it is for Christians to have solid roots of community in your life in a culture where so many people People struggle with loneliness and isolation. It is more important than ever that we find a place where we are being spiritually and nourished and challenged in our life to grow, to grow roots in our life. I want to tell you, Christian women need other women to mentor and disciple them. Christian men need other men to mentor and disciple them, to engage in community. I want to tell you, it's important that we develop roots in our Christian walk with God. Going to someone's house for coffee is developing a root. Living, inviting them over to your house for dinner is developing a root. Getting involved in Bible study is growing roots. Serving in small ministries within the church is, is expanding your roots. Showing up when the doors are open are expanding your roots. All these actions promote growth in the Christian life. I want to tell you, we can't make any mistake about it this morning. I recognize and I realize that growing roots is not always easy. But you've got to make up your mind that you are going to develop some roots in your life. That you are going to have a strong community of believers and Christians in your life. That If that means saying yes. Yes, when the opportunity arises, that means I'm going to say yes. If that means getting involved when the opportunity arises, that means I'm going to get involved. We need to have roots in our life. Living like a tree means that you are establishing community, establishing roots for your stability and for your strength. Number two, the Bible says in this psalm, it says that they shall bear fruit. I want to tell you that living like a tree, not only does it mean that you are developing roots, but it means that you are also bearing fruit. That as Christians, we are called to bear fruit in the right seasons and situations of our life. 
As I mentioned earlier, the Bible talks a lot about trees and it has a lot to say about various fruit trees and different types of fruit that comes from trees. It talks about almond trees and apple trees, aloe trees, acacia trees, cedar trees, fig trees, fruit trees, olive trees, palm trees, pine trees, pomegranate trees. The list goes on and on. The various fruits, the various trees in Bible produce various types of fruits in various ways and shapes and sizes. Some are sweet, others are bland, some are small and others are large. Some are soft while others are covered in a hard shell. There's various ways and types and sizes for the types of fruit that are produced by the various trees throughout Scripture. But the Bible never describes any one kind or type of fruit because each tree is unique. The psalmist does say that each tree that is planted by God, that is planted by the rivers of water, despite its size, its shape, its taste, its sweet, its softness, its hardness, despite all of that, one thing that must happen is that in each, in each and every instance is that that tree must bear fruit in its season. I want to tell you one thing that's interesting about fruit in general is that the fruit doesn't always bear, the tree doesn't always bear the fruit for itself. If you think about the fruit of a tree benefits the tree in no particular way other than it embodies and it encompasses the seed and it presents this, this fruit that is appealing to the outside world, that, that, that if that outside world can just be attracted to the fruit, that they will take that fruit that is produced by that tree and they will take that fruit and they will devour that sweet fruit themselves and they will take that fruit along with that seed and the the hope of the tree the design of the tree is not so much to produce the fruit for itself but to get the fruit in the hands of someone or something else to take that seed and to and to carry that seed someplace else i want to tell you today connection point church that in 2022 and in 2023 that god is calling on the church to be a to be a tree that is fruitful in its season, that we have to walk in the fruitfulness of God, that God has called each and every one of us to different things and different purposes and to different uh, areas of serving God. But I want to tell you that if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, if you are rooted and grounded in God, that God is going to produce some fruit in your life. And it's not always about what, what you can get out of it and what you can get from it, but maybe it's about producing fruit so that fruit can get into the life of somebody else so that they can take that seed and they can reproduce another life-giving tree in some place else. I want to tell you, I feel the, the, the Holy Ghost calling us into a season of producing some fruit, of planting some seed, of planting some churches, of planting some ministry, of planting some life. I want to tell you, God is calling us to produce some fruit. We have to, we have to produce fruit. We have to be rooted and grounded. And finally, as I Come quickly. I want to tell you that not only that the Bible says that not only will we have roots and not only will we have fruits, but living like a tree means that we will flourish. That we will flourish into eternity. He says, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does will prosper. It's in the third and this final promise of Psalm chapter 1. We find the man who delights in God and meditates on his word is likened unto a leaf on a tree that does not wither. The seasons of spring 
and then summer, and then fall, and then winter. They come and they go. Yet the leaf on this tree that is planted by the rivers of water does not wither. Now in our natural minds, we think about this in our Midwestern mindset. We, we read this and this doesn't make sense because we, we all know that once August comes, the end of August, September comes, the, the air gets a little cool and crisp. The seasons begin to change October and November and December. And we know that along with that changing of the seasons from autumn into, into ultimately winter, that the leaves begin to wither. And similarly in Jewish thought, the leaf, the withering leaf almost always, in Jewish commentary and writing, almost always represents the frailty and the fleeting nature of life itself. That like a leaf, that bursts forth in the spring full of color and vigor and providing new life to the tree. In just a matter of a season or two, just the changing of a couple seasons, that same leaf will take its natural course and wither away, dry up, and ultimately fall to the ground. And so in Jewish thought, the leaf represents life, its frailty, its, its fleeting nature. The withering leaf, like life, it's fleeting, it's fragile, it's temporary. You're green and vivacious one season and you're frail and withering the next. You're full of life and strength one season. You're weak and vulnerable the next. The natural cycle of the leaf represents the natural cycle of life. But this promise of the Scripture in Psalm 1 contradicts this normal course of nature. It says that the man who delights in God and meditates in His Word is like a tree whose leaves do not wither. It was a prophet, Jeremiah, that used the same imagery in Jeremiah 17. He said, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will remain green. So prophet Ezekiel extends this imagery in his vision of a day when Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come. And he says, When trees will bear fruit every month, and leaves will not wither, their fruit shall be for food, and their leaves will not wither, but... By quite the contrary, their leaves will be for healing, the healing of the nations. And so we see this depiction of the life of a follower of Jesus Christ not only gaining victory over the natural frailty and temporary nature of this world, but whose leaves are extended, its life is extended past this life into eternity. And what we find here is a, is a sure promise from the Word of God. That as believers, that if we will delight in God and His will and His word and in His purpose, and we will meditate upon His promises, that we, like a tree, will be rooted and grounded in some good places near some river, rivers of living water, that we will produce fruit in our season, and that ultimately that we have a promise that our leaf shall not wither, but we will flourish into eternity. I want you to stand with me today. <clears throat> I want to tell you, God has given us this metaphor of living like a tree. Because I believe that despite the adversities, the storms, the winds, the rains, the challenges, the changing seasons of life, that God has called us to live not according to the course of this world, but to live like a spiritual tree. Rooted and grounded in God's will and rooted and grounded in God's word, developing relationships, 
bearing fruit, deepening our roots and God's will and God's plan for our life and ultimately finding that despite the changing seasons and circumstances of our life, that God just keeps on giving us grace and keeps on giving us His goodness and keeps on giving us His mercy and keeps on blessing us and encouraging us and strengthening us. And we find that even though the seasons of life change, that our leaf withers not. It was John that said that for all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, but that's not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whosoever does the will of God abides forever. Come on, all over this place, can we just begin to lift our hands? Come on, God has called us to a greater purpose, a greater destiny. Maybe maybe where you are right now is God is telling you that like that seed, that mustard seed that He's saying, I want you to take that little bit of faith, that little bit of commitment that you have, and I want you to plant that seed in the soil, that soil that is near the rivers of living water, that soil that is near the house of God, the church of God, the Word of God, that you're going to plant your life in a place where you can be encouraged and uplifted by God's Word, a good Bible-preaching church, a good Spirit-filled church, a good life-giving church. You're going to plant your life in a place where you are close and connected to the voice of God for your life. Maybe that's where you are. You're planting a seed of faith. You're repenting of your sins. You're committing your life to Jesus Christ. You're seeking the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or maybe... Maybe you're like that tree that you've been planted, but you just need some deeper roots. You need some deeper connections. You feel God is challenging you and calling you to deepen your faith in God, to deepen your connectivity to the church of God, to say yes to some Bible study, yes to some serving God, yes to some small group, yes to some discipleship, yes to some mentorship. God is calling you to deepen your roots, to be strengthened, to be stabilized, to be settled, and to be secure in the purpose and the plan of God. Or maybe you're in a place like many of us where God is just saying, you know what? It's a time and a season for you to bear fruit. It's a time and a season for you to, to, to use the gifts and the callings, the, the treasure, the time, the talents that God has given you to be a blessing to somebody else. And you say, it's time for me to bear from some fruit. Or maybe finally you're just in a place where because of the circumstances of your life, Everything around you is challenging you. You feel like you're in the heat of the day, but God is telling you, I can strengthen you even in that season. Your leaf shall not wither. Stay rooted, stay grounded, stay connected, and you're going to flourish no matter the season. Can we just lift our hands all over this place? I wonder if there's anyone here today that would just like this psalm, like the writer of the Scripture say, I've made up my... In my mind, I've decided for myself that it's time for me to live like a tree. Come on, all over this place. Come on, can we just begin to just begin to reach out and connect to the Lord? I want to open this altar all over this place. Come on, this altar is good soil. This altar is a good ground. This altar is a good place. 
come on, you can, you can sow your seed of faith in a good old-fashioned altar. Come on, the presence of God is going to be here. The Word of God is going to water this place. The, the presence and the purpose of God is going to protect this place. Come on, this is a good place to, to make up your mind that this is where I'm going to this is where I'm going to live my life. This is where I'm going to raise my family. This is where I'm going to serve God. I, I just made up my mind that I'm going to follow God. I'm going to serve Him. Come on, can we just begin to lift our hands, lift our voices? Hallelujah. Come on, can we just begin to commit our life to delight in the Lord? Hallelujah. To bear some fruit to worship.